0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we're excited to be talking about kitchen equipment. We're going to go through all of our favorite tools, appliances, different kitchen items that make preparing plant-powered meals so much easier. A lot of these things took us personally a while to invest in in our own kitchens. And as soon as we got these things, we're like, oh my gosh, life would have been so much easier had we figured out this out earlier. So we want to be there helping all of you. If any of you are newer to plant-based eating or even longtime vegans who may not have learned these things yet, we hope it is really helpful for all of you.
1: Yeah. I know that for me, it was really overwhelming. There are so many kitchen appliances and gadgets, and I would have loved this resource when I was first packing my
0: kitchen with all the best So, Michelle, let's start with you. Okay, we're going to start with the basic, basic, basics. But this is one of the things that I messed up on for a long time, and that is your kitchen knife. And I say kitchen knife rather than kitchen knives because I feel like it's the thing like when you get out of, like when you graduate to having a home or an apartment or you're living on your own for the first time, you buy like the obligatory knife set. And it's usually like a pretty inexpensive knife set with a lot of knives, because that's what you imagine you need. You need a lot of knives. In reality, we cut like 95 plus percent of the things we need to chop, dice, cut up can be done with one knife, one solid chef's knife, and then maybe like a bread cutting knife. And so instead of getting one of those big knife packs, or if you have one, most of them are probably dull, not very high quality. It is so much better to invest in a high quality chef's knife. These are one of the bigger knives with a very sharp blade that you take care of, you sharpen on occasion. (laughs) It is actually not only like going to save you space in in your kitchen, of course, but it's also way safer. So when you're chopping things with the wrong knife or with a dull knife that you haven't cared for, it's way less safe. And so if you have a really sharp knife, it's not going to bounce off the food and cut Finger, it'll slice right through even the soft, food, soft foods like tomatoes, which are notoriously hard to cut up. Tomatoes are a great way to tell if your knives need sharpening or if maybe it's time to invest in a better knife. If you're cu- trying to cut your tomatoes and they're just smashing under your knife, that's a good sign that it's time to upgrade.
1: For me, I used my parents' old knife, so they got it at um, Walmart. 20 years before I moved out. And then I used it uh, for the next 10 years, not even understanding that there was something different. And it wasn't until I invested in a, I don't know, it was like a $5 Cuisinart knife from Marshall's that I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't even, it wasn't even super high end, but it was sharp. And so when I, it was time to invest in a, a forever kitchen set, I made sure that uh when when I got married, I did research on only knives that had a sharpener so that I could sharpen them over the decades to come. And I, I recommend investing in a sharpener so that it will forever stay sharp.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I and I feel like it's kind of like the sunglasses thing where if you have cheap sunglasses, you're gonna destroy them in two seconds and not care for them. But if you invest in like a slightly better pair, which I have never done so maybe, <laughs> I need to. Like you just take better care of things that you invest in. And so part of that means instead of letting them sit in the sink with crusty stuff on them, which can kind of degrade knives, wash them right away, dry them right away, store them in a safe place for your knife and just really care for the things that you have.
1: I'm sure everyone knows what I'm going to say right now. I talk about it in every episode. I, (laughs) I super love the Instant Pot. This is not sponsored. It's never been sponsored. I wish it were. But it has really transformed the way I cook. And we always have pantry staples cooked in in the refrigerator now to make simple, healthy, plant-based, whole food plant-based meals throughout the week. And that is all because the Instant Pot makes that so simple. All I do is drop in lentils or split peas or beans set it and forget it and it doesn't blow up my house because it's not sitting in the pot on the stove I was always afraid very intimidated of pressure cookers because I don't know I've heard that they could blow up on my stove and when the instant pot came out it was so expensive that I thought uh this is not for me but when They go on sale for Prime Day or Black Friday or Cyber Monday. I highly recommend checking them out, at least reading the reviews, looking over. Michelle, you have an article on World of Vegan, right?
0: All about Instant Pots, why they're amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Pressure cookers in general, like you can get any pressure cooker. The Instant Pot is just like the most popular one and the one that most people use. So it's nice to use that one because there's a lot of recipes out there that are designed specifically for that model, which makes it handy.
1: Yes, and what I'm talking about is an electric pressure cooker, not specifically the Instant Pot, although that's what I have. I also have a Ninja, which also doubles as an air fryer. So that that I've used as both, and it works fine, and I got that at Costco. So that is why I love Instant Pots. They're the best. They make cooking so much faster and convenient, and you don't have to monitor it on the stove like the traditional pressure cooker.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I will share one more thing because this is what happened to me and infinity people that I've talked to. When I got my pressure cooker, my Instant Pot, I got it also on an Amazon Prime sale, I think. And it sat in the box unopened for probably six months to a year, I want to say, because I was intimidated by it. I just didn't know how to use it. It just, I, I was used to my normal cooking routine. So I just had And opened it up. And I was like, and when I finally did, it's like, you can never go back. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I let this sit there for six months. And I've talked to so many people who have gotten this appliance and the same thing happened. They felt intimidated and they just let it sit there. So you can find tons of recipes online. They even have like cookbooks designed for Instant Pot. Although I really don't think you need one of those, just like check out some recipes online. We can link some of our favorites in the show notes. And um, yeah, start with one, get familiar. And the other nice thing is you can throw away a lot of, not throw away, donate or find another home for a lot of your other appliances, like a rice cooker. You no longer need a rice cooker, even like... Or a slow cooker. I hesitate to say this, but yes, slow cooker. Like I got rid of my slow cooker as well, because you can do the same thing, but faster. Next up, I want to talk about high-powered blenders. And yeah, there are a lot of different types out there my personal favorite is the Vitamix also not sponsored I used to have a blend Tech which is the competitor brand and I like the Vitamix a million times better because it has a tamper which is that sort of pole that juts into the <laughs> juts into smoothie, mush it down. Not to be
1: confused with the plunger, which is what Michelle used to call it before she had, <laughs> before she had a Vitamix. I remember we did an, a YouTube video and she was like, and, and then you use the plunger. And everyone was like, the plunger?
0: <laughs> yes. So now I know the fancy official name for it. It is called a tamper. High blender is amazing, but whatever type you have, it's going to enable you to make so many things. Like banana and ice cream, really thick smoothies that you can't really make in a standard blender, smoothies that get really super creamy. So when I used to have a generic blender, if I put spinach in my smoothies or seeds or nuts or something, I would end up with a chunky, multicolored smoothie because it just couldn't blend them as beautifully as what you'll get in a higher-powered blender. I use my Vitamix every pretty much every single day. I make smoothies all the time. I love them. They're like milkshakes that are healthy. They're so, so good. But you can also make sauces in them. You can cream up soups um, instead of in an immersion blender. You can dump it in your blender and blend up soups. You can make cheeses, cheese sauces in there. So when I make like my healthy mac and cheese, the recipes on World of Vegan, that's like a cream sauce made from cashews. And it gets beautifully silky, creamy using the high-powered blender. Also
1: nut butters, nut butters, I remember the first time I made peanut butter in mine, and all I did was put unsalted roasted peanuts into the Vitamix and put it on the super high what is that called um, the the function that's the super high one
0: Mhm I don't know had anyway a name.
1: <laughs> i yeah, it has a name, and I was amazed that in five minutes, I had a creamy peanut butter,
0: yeah. Definitely, but I mean, high-powered blenders, especially the Vitamix, is crazy expensive. If you're going to get it, I bought mine refurbished, and I also did it on an Amazon sale day, one of their sale days of the year, and that helped bring the price down. But it, we are talking like a hundred plus slash hundreds of dollars. So the vast majority of people cannot drop that on a on a blender um, unless you've been saving for it for years. So a lot of the things that we're talking about making in a blender, like banana and ice cream or nut butter. If you don't have a high power blender, you can actually make it in a food processor, which Tony's going to talk about next.
1: I did not have a a proper food processor. I had like a three cup food processor for a really long time. That's one of those really tiny ones. But for my wedding, I put on my registry a uh, Cuisinart 10 cup. And I feel like the 10 cup has been really the perfect size. It doesn't take too much space in the in the kitchen cabinets, and it also holds um, sauces very well. So the ten cup is what I recommend. And also, if you can get one with attachments, not all of them have attachments, but the one that I got has attachments, and you can grate very quickly. I grate all kinds of vegetables, carrots, zucchini, you name it, and it also has um, what is it when you thinly slice? You can thinly slice. Using you your. <laughs> I don't think there is a word for that. I was thinking shred, but no, thin slice. It's like a specific cut that it has, and it just makes kitchen prep really quickly. So I like it when I'm doing my food prep day. I cut up all of the vegetables. So it makes cooking throughout the week much faster. And like Michelle said, it blends very well, it has different uh, attachments for the type of chop that you want. And then you can also pulse or push the button that makes everything completely smooth. So I I recommend the food processor.
0: Definitely. And the food processor is another thing that during my many, many years of vegan for a long time, I didn't use it because I just didn't know all of the things that it could do. But now more than a decade later, now that I've tried infinity recipes, I I turn to my food processor all the time. And so if you get the, an appliance and you're like, it's kind of sitting there, I'm not really using it much, go on Google and look for vegan recipes made with that appliance. And you'll start to learn different ways that you can utilize the tools available to you to get more creative with your dishes at home, to make life easier, to make cooking prep faster. And um, yeah, that's definitely the case with the food processor.
1: And also... For my food processor, I put it on my registry and the type of registry I had allowed you to go to different websites and find the cheapest prices and do your research. Food processors vary, very greatly in price. And I just read a lot of reviews to find the one that was going to be within our budget or budget that we felt people could afford and also high quality. And it doesn't always need to be the like Brayville top of the line, $1,000 food processor. That's going to be the best. It sometimes is the $80 food processor. That could be amazing.
0: Yeah, I actually, my food processor, I think was maybe $25 or $35 on Amazon. I got it more than a decade ago. And I was in the period of life where I would just get whatever was like the least expensive possible. And I'm I'm actually kind of waiting/slash hoping that it breaks because it is definitely very low quality. But even with that, it has lasted ten plus years and still is doing the job for me. And I refuse to get get rid of it while it's still working. So we will see.
1: With that, did the twenty five dollar one come with attachments?
0: Yep, it has. Um, well, it has like the little metal thing that you pop in that can shred and grate and everything. Okay. If you're looking on Amazon, looking at the reviews is so helpful, seeing how other people like it and how it lasts in their kitchen. So, so helpful.
1: And also, if you are shopping on Amazon, there are often used options that have been returned and those are discounted. That's how I bought my pressure cooker.
0: That's awesome. Love that tip. I'm going to talk about something that I just recently started using in my kitchen. I was just gifted this over the holidays this past year, and that is an ice cream maker. And I used to think of this as like such a superfluous thing. When I lived in a tiny apartment, there was no way I was going to add another appliance to my already super tiny cluttered kitchen. Um, But now that I have a little bit more space, if you do have more space and you eat ice cream regularly, oh my God, ice cream makers are amazing. I had no idea how easy it was, how quick and easy it was to make ice cream. We're talking like minutes and you can minutes of active work. Obviously, there's a lot of waiting for it to like harden in the freezer, but it's so easy and it's so delicious. The one thing I will say is I've been experimenting with a lot of different ice cream recipes that are vegan. And I've tried a base of cashew, like a cashew-based, a nut-based, a soy milk-based, but by far the creamiest, best-tasting ice creams that I've tried so far are all made from coconut milk. And I know some people are not into coconut milk, I wasn't really into coconut milk ice cream, but if if you don't like coconut milk ice cream, you're just die hard against it. An ice cream maker may not be for you. Then it might make more sense to get the store bought ice creams that have like emulsifiers and other stuff in there to make them really delicious when they're made of of soy or other bases. But if you're into the coconut milk ice cream and you have the space in your kitchen. Oh, it's such a great investment. It's not that that expensive. It makes a great gift because it's one of those things that you might not buy for yourself, but that a friend or family member could buy you. And it's so fun. And yeah, I just, I love making ice cream now.
1: Even if you don't like the milky ice creams, which that would be shocking to me, uh, you can make sorbets and other types of treats with the ice cream maker. I know I've made, uh, there's a recipe on plant-based on a budget for strawberry mint sorbet. And It's just blended up fresh strawberries and a little bit of sugar, and it's so good. So, there are a lot of different options if you are intimidated by trying different plant milks. You can start with something super simple like a sorbet.
0: Yes. And oh, my favorite I have a couple favorites that I've made recently, and I created the recipes for a Rocky Road, a plant based Rocky Road ice cream. That was amazing. And then also a matcha chip which are so good. And I will be sharing those on World Vegan. So if you're curious or if you already have an ice cream maker and you're looking for recipes, stay tuned because I will be sharing those. They're so good.
1: Hey, Michelle, I'm looking for my favorite dairy ice cream with strawberry ice cream, and I have yet to find one that tastes as good. So can you work on that?
0: Yeah, I actually, there's one on World of Vegan that I have made and it was really good. It's it's It uses a coconut milk base. So again, it does have a little bit of that coconut flavor, but it uses fresh strawberries and it's super creamy and really delicious. I really loved it. And it's a sample recipe from a cookbook about vegan ice cream. So that if you just search for strawberry ice cream on World of Vegan, you'll find that there. We can include the link in the show notes.
1: I'm a little bit skeptical about coconut based
0: ice creams, but I will I will give it a try. Thank you. I will make it for you. And then you can try it and see. <laughs> Thank you. That's even better. And one more note about coconut milk ice creams, because I was one of those people. I still am. I will not buy coconut milk-based ice creams at the store. I just don't like the taste. But now making them at home, you notice that there's a lot of flavors that really cover up the coconut flavor. So if you're adding a bunch of cocoa powder to make a chocolate ice cream and putting some other mixins in there, you almost don't even know that it's a coconut base, even if there's tons of. Thick, creamy coconut milk in there. So give it a try. <laughs>
1: Out of curiosity, are you using canned coconut or the kind that you buy uh, in a carton?
0: Always canned co- coconut, like full fat canned coconut milk is super important to get like the rich creaminess of like decadent ice cream. Yeah.
1: I'm wondering if you could do like a cashew cream in there, like maybe slightly watered down, but a cashew cream so that it is really, really thick because my favorite ice cream to buy is the So Delicious cashew milk ice cream. And i always wondered how they made that.
0: Yeah, I have tried a cashew milk ba- or a cashew. Like I use raw cashews, let them soak, blend them up with water or whatever. And then I use that as the base and it was good, but it, it was like kind of thick in a not pleasant way. Like it wasn't melt on your mouth immediately thick. It was like thick with a little bit of graininess to it. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. And cashews also have like kind of a a significant flavor to them that makes its mark on your ice cream. So it didn't come out the way that I was picturing it, w- it would, which is the store-bought cashew-based ice creams I've tried, which are so delicious, but I will keep trying. <laughs> I
1: have finally gotten a KitchenAid a kitchen Stand mixer, but those are so expensive. I got mine as a wedding gift. And before that, what I lived by was a handheld mixer. It doesn't take up a lot of space in the cabinets. I used to live in a small one bedroom apartment for a really long time, and cabinet space was crucial. That's basically how I made all of my decisions. Actually, Michelle, you had a small kitchen situation too when you were in a one bedroom for 10 years you know, the struggle.
0: Yep. And it's not only the struggle, but I had a small kitchen plus a husband who was like, you will not bring anything else into this kitchen. If I got a new, I remember one time I bought a spiralizer so I can make zucchini noodles, which is really tiny, but it had to live on top of the refrigerator. So it's just more stuff like sitting out. It was the worst And, and hubby was not happy with anything extra I bought. So I feel, yeah, anyone living in that situation. So a handheld
1: mixer doesn't, it can fit in a drawer and it makes baking so much easier. I bake maybe once a week. And so at least once a week, I'm breaking out my handheld mixer. And you can even do, if you don't have an an immersion blender and you don't feel very comfortable switching your hot boiling soup to your blender, you can also mix using the electric mixer. You can puree your soup that way uh, slowly. And they're relatively inexpensive. You can get them at home Goods for 20 bucks, like a good Cuisinart one, or maybe a KitchenAid for 40 bucks. And I feel like is one of the kitchen appliances that I use most often.
0: Yeah. I also lived without a handheld mixer or any sort of mixer for I don't know, eight years of being in my small, small apartment. And then even in when I moved here and I I recently got it in the past two years and I look back to the way that I used to bake and I would start mixing something. My hand would be exhausted. I switched the other hand and then I'd have to bring it to Dan and be like, Dan, will you take a shift at mixing this for a little while? And now it's just so quick and easy and you can make cool things like Dalgona coffee. don't know what that means, but Okay, well, if you have if anyone has an electric hand mixer and likes coffee and hasn't seen the sweeping internet trend dalgona coffee, look it up d a l g o n a super easy and quick and so yummy. do you have a recipe for that? It's like coffee fluff. yeah, it's just two tablespoons sugar, two tablespoons instant coffee, two tablespoons water, and then you fr- and then you um froth it with your hand mixer for a while, like five minutes and it turns into fluffy like whipped cream almost. but Coffee flavored, sweet, delicious goodness. It's so good. And you serve it over like iced so- soy milk or something like that and kind of mix it in. Oh, it's so good.
1: All right. Next, Michelle is going to be talking about one of her faves
0: wide mouth mason jars. <laughs> I know this is a, probably a weird one for a lot of you listening, but my friend Allison River Sampson in introduced me to the wide mouth mason jars. And they have been life changing for me, especially as I started trying to buy more things from bulk bins, which Tony has inspired me to do. And as we were working on our plant based on a budget meal plans, and trying to shop as affordably as possible, shopping from bulk bins is so key. And then when you come home, having your reusable bags and your rice or grains or whatever it is you're buying from bulk, where do you put that stuff? Well, I love putting them in wide mouth mason jars. The wide mouth part is pretty important because it makes them easy to clean. You can easily get your hand in there with a sponge or scrubber and clean them out very easily. And they're also easier to fill. So some of those mason jars that have tapered in smaller openings are yeah, harder to clean, harder to fill. And yeah, the wide mouth mason jars are great. They'll last you a lifetime. I remember I bought, I think, like a 12-pack on Amazon And I still use them to this day. I actually kind of want to buy some more. I use them to store like split peas, lentils, beans, rice, grains, pastas, anything. They're so, so great.
1: And you can also put them in the dishwasher, but make sure that you hand wash the tops so that you can get more life out of them. They will rest if you leave them in the dishwasher.
0: Yeah, hand wash and immediately dry. That's a really good point. And then the other thing that I just bought on Amazon was funnels, which I'd never had before. And Allison used to tell my friend Allison used to tell me, "Get a funnel; it'll make it so much easier to fill these." And I was just like, "I can fill them no problem," but I can't tell you how many times I come back from the grocery store, try and fill the things, thinking that I'm winning at life, and inevitably little lentils end up everywhere around my kitchen. So quinoa's the worst. Yeah, thinking and that I, you're a pro
1: at quinoa is always going to be bad.
0: Yes, and it like falls in between my stove and my counter where I will never find it until I move out of the house. So that's gross. And I don't know how to describe them, the funnels, but we'll drop a link in the show notes.
1: All right, I'm moving over to silicone baking mats. I feel like the past couple years, I have really, really tried to limit my waste, and I'm very far from perfect. Very, 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 very very far. But one of the things that I do is use silicone baking mats. And as I mentioned, I bake about once a week. And it saves me from having to purchase parchment paper regularly. And it also helps my environmental footprint. I bought mine at the Amazon brand, and I think they were 10 bucks. So in an upfront 10 buck investment for two, and I have them forever. I Also love that you don't have to spray oil down or grease the pan, and it's very easy to clean afterward.
0: I second that. I love these. I've also gifted them to my mom and Dan's family over the holidays. And then just a note, because when I was trying to get gifts for people over the holidays, I went to some kitchen stores and... The Silpat brand, which I think is like the official brand of them, were crazy expensive, like $25 for one or something. So definitely you can find them way cheaper on Amazon. Next, I want to jump into one of my also recent favorites, which are nonstick saute pans. For a long time, I avoided nonstick pans because you read all those things about their, how they're horrible for your health, horrible for the environment, all the things. But my birth father introduced me to these pans called. T T-F-A-L pans. <laughs> he found them at Costco. And I was using them at his house and I was like, holy moly, all those issues with like tofu sticking to my pan, or all those like green pans I used to buy that were kind of expensive and supposed to be eco-way to be nonstick. They just made cooking so hard. And having a great nonstick pan makes it so easy. Nothing will ever stick to your pan. You can saute whatever. You can let tofu like sit up on there for 15 minutes and it still is not going to stick to your pan, which is magic. I love it. I love it so much. It's really great for making tofu scrambles, for sauteing veggies, for making like a fully loaded pasta sauce with all sorts of veggies and stuff in it. The other thing is, I never really knew what a saute pan was, but it's like one of the kinds of pans with a really tall side side rims, what do you call them, that go straight up. I used to always have the pans that just, they didn't have the tall sides. And having those tall sides makes it really easy if you're going to make a a big portion, which I love to do now so I don't have to cook every single meal. I double or triple portions. And so getting a big pan with big tall sides helps prevent spills and just makes everything so much easier.
1: We have different Preferences in my house. Paul uses his saute pan and I use mine. And I got mine from Home Goods, and it's an all-clad non-stick pan, which I love so much. It's much cheaper than buying it online anywhere. And then Paul chose copper pan and he doesn't cook with oil. And it makes it so that he can kind of I don't think it's called charring, but basically it's sauteing without any wet ingredients. So no, no oil or even water or broth. And it not my fave, but if you don't cook with oil, I highly recommend one of those copper saute pans.
0: Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. We have a couple other favorite things that we will drop over in the show notes. If you guys want to head there, it's plantpoweredpodcast.com and click on this episode and you'll find a recap of everything we've talked about today, links to all of our favorite things. And um, yeah, I hope this has been helpful for those of you who are either newer in cooking in the kitchen or longtime seasoned chefs who want our opinion. (laughs) I know. I know
1: these Some of these options have really changed the way I cook. Like I mentioned, the Instant Pot, the knife situation, and I know it can dramatically change your life too. It just makes it so much easier to eat healthy with the right tools. So I am excited to hear what you choose. Send, you can send me a message at Plant Based on a Budget. Michelle,
0: I will relay those messages to you. (laughs) And I read all of our messages now, Pretty much too. (laughs) Oh, yay. Okay. Now,
1: okay. Season three, message Michelle also.
0: <laughs> love hearing from you guys thank you so much for tuning in as always you can hear all of our other podcast episodes at, at just wherever you're tuned into podcast podcast player but also at plantpoweredpodcast.com if you want to support the show you can do so via Patreon we are so grateful for our Patreon supporters thank you so much it's patreon.com people, and that supports our podcast and our other various projects trying to bring free resources to people who are trying to live plant-based
1: thank you again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode
0: bye Bye.